Hello, welcome to Going Deeper with God. My name is Andrew Page. I'm part of the teaching team at Above Bar Church in Southampton. Um, Going Deeper with God, we do Bible study because we believe that that's one of the great ways of getting to know God, getting to know Jesus better. That's why it's called Going Deeper with God. And at the moment, we're just getting towards the end. We're nearly at the end uh, of a series in the Letter to the Philippians, which for me has been a wonderful experience. I've loved studying this uh, this letter. We've called the letter to the Philippians joy and the gospel because joy and the gospel always belong together. The more gospel centred we are, the more joy we will experience. It's always true. And if you're, if you're a Christian, you know that. Um, we've come today to uh, chapter four, chapter four, verses one to nine. And we've called this standing firm as Christians standing firm as Christians. Uh, but we're going to sing first. Uh, let's sing about how wonderful Jesus is, because he is. Whether you sing aloud or not, or whether you just follow this and worship in your heart, let's worship Jesus. Crown him with many crowns.
crown him. <laughs> uh, we'll read our passage, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 to 9. It'll be great if you have that in front of you. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with you, Odia, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Philippians 4, 1-9, standing firm as Christians. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we want to crown you with many crowns because you are the King. Thank you that you are the Lord and thank you that you are the Saviour as well. Thank you for your death and your resurrection. We worship you. Now, thank you that we have your word in our hands. Please take our lives into your hands and speak into them. And we pray this, Lord Jesus, in your great and strong name. Amen. Oh, this is just a wonderful, <laughs> a wonderful passage. But I think I say that about every passage in Philippians. Verse one we, is where we need to start. It's a kind of bridge between the end of chapter three and the beginning of chapter four. Look at verse one with me, please. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Paul makes it very clear that he loves his brothers and sisters, the Christians in Philippi. I love you and I long for you. You're my joy and my crown. He's very open about it. Imagine how they felt just hearing that Paul said that. But then he says, stand firm in the Lord. He wants them to stand firm. And it says here, stand firm in the Lord in this way. In other words, it's looking back to what's already happened in the letter. He's saying, stand firm in the Lord by being faithful to the gospel. That's what we saw in chapter three. He's saying, stand firm in the Lord by living the Jesus lifestyle. That's what we saw in chapter two. Stand firm in the Lord. And if you are a Christian, if you're a truster in Jesus, you've turned from your sins, you've put your trust in Jesus, then you want to stand firm in the Lord, don't you? If you're anything like me, you wobble sometimes. If you're anything like me, you drift sometimes. Well, this passage is going to help us to stand firm in the Lord and keep following Jesus passionately. 
But there are some things that kind of stop us, stop us standing firm in the Lord. And Paul deals with two of those things in this passage. One of them is disunity. That's there in verses two and three. And the other one is anxiety. That's there at the beginning of verse six. If we are not united as Christians in the church family, that's going to stop us standing firm in the Lord. And if we are anxious, if we're worried, if we're uptight about stuff, that's going to stop us standing firm in the Lord. And what Paul does here, he looks at these two problems and he says, but there are solutions. If you do these things, you will stay united. And if you do these things, you will not be anxious. So let's look at God's word. Let's open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit and be asking him to speak into our lives. Let's look at problem number one, which is disunity, verses three to, uh, two to five. Have a look at verse two. I plead with you, Odia, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. There's obviously some tension there. It's obviously important enough that Paul actually mentions their names in a letter. Imagine how that felt when this letter was first read out in a meeting of the church in Philippi. Syntyche and Euodia, there is something that they've got that's a problem. We don't know what the issue was, which is good, but we know there's disunity there. And that is a problem in, in church life because we're sinners. Even though we are saved and forgiven and accepted by God, which is wonderful, hallelujah, we are human beings and there are tensions. It may be a personality clash or it may be disagreement about the way we should do church or something like that. I don't know. But there are times when there are tensions. There is the danger of disunity. And Paul says there's a solution. In fact, there are three solutions. Let's look at the three solutions. The first solution is work for peace. Work for peace. That's verses two and three. Uh, the word peace is not there in verses two and three. Paul doesn't mention peace until verse seven and verse nine in this passage. But that's what he's talking about. He's talking about peace in the Christian family. Um, in a similar place in the letter to the Ephesian church, Paul talks about peace. Uh, do you remember this? He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. That's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That's talking about unity as Christians. Unity in the church family. And Paul is saying here in Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, work for peace. Now, the people working for peace... First of all, Euodia and Syntyche need to do something. I plead with them to be of the same mind. Oh, that doesn't mean they have to agree on everything. It doesn't mean that we have that unity doesn't depend on us having the same opinions about everything. That would be impossible. No, no. Unity means agreeing on the basics, agreeing on the essentials, agreeing on the gospel, agreeing on Jesus. And then be, being able to disagree about other things without being disagreeable. Be of the same mind. We've already seen that back in chapter two, when 
uh, Paul was talking about the Jesus lifestyle. Chapter 2, verse 2, be like-minded. It's actually the same word. Or chapter 2, verse 5, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset, have the same mind, be of the same mind. Chapter 4, verse 2, it's the same thing. So Euodia and Syntyche, you have a responsibility here. Do something. Talk to one another. Be reconciled with one another. And that's speaking to us, isn't it? If we're in a situation in our church family, maybe it's in your youth work or your children's work or your home group or your leadership team. If there is disunity there, do something about it. You have a responsibility. But it's not just the people who the people who are not united. All of us have a responsibility. Look at verse three. Yes. And I ask you, my true companion, Help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. We don't know who this true companion is. And it may just be Paul's way of saying to everybody in the church family, you all have a responsibility. If you see that there are tensions, if you see that there is disunity, try and bring people together. Work for peace. It's that important. So we have a responsibility sometimes to say to two people or two groups of people, can we talk together? Now, obviously, this can be dangerous. You know the saying, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be shot at from both sides. And sadly, that's sometimes true. But it's worth doing. We should be working for peace. That's the first thing we can do about disunity, it, it about disunity that's there or to prevent disunity from arising. Let's work for peace. The second solution to disunity is in verse four. Rejoice in Jesus. Verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Now, the Lord in the New Testament, whenever the Lord is mentioned, is talking about Jesus, not God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus. Jesus is the Lord. In fact, uh, in chapter three, at the end of chapter three, uh, Paul's just talked about the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter three, verse 20. Jesus is the Lord. We should rejoice in Jesus. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that Paul is saying in verse four, try and try and suddenly create feelings of joy in you. That's just not realistic and it's not honest. Sometimes we don't feel joy. At least I don't. No, rejoicing is something you can do even if you don't have the feeling of joy. I'll say that again. I think it's very important. Rejoicing is something we can do even if, even if we don't have the feeling of joy. And the good news is when we commit ourselves to rejoicing, very often, or at least sometimes, the feeling of joy comes. Rejoicing is saying, ah, these things are true about Jesus. I am going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to list the things that make that, 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 that are great about Jesus. And then sometimes the feelings will come. Um, I think when we talk about rejoicing in the Lord, we can be thinking about who he is and why he came. Who he is and why he came. 
I'm just going to say some things now and feel free to lift your heart. I don't mind at the moment whether you've got the feeling of joy. That really is not what this verse is about. Whether you've got the feeling or not, that doesn't matter at the moment. But you can lift your heart to Jesus and you can rejoice in him. Jesus is the eternal son of God. He came into our world the first Christmas. He became a human being. He became a servant. He died. He died on the cross for our sins so we could be forgiven. This is Jesus. He is the risen Lord. He is the exalted King. He's in the highest place with the greatest name, Yahweh. Let's rejoice in Jesus. We can do that even if the feelings aren't there. And if Euodia and Syntyche kept their eyes on Jesus, if Euodia and Syntyche and other people who are in danger of not agreeing with one another, if they rejoice in Jesus, then they will find it very difficult to not be united with one another. They will find it very difficult to not be of the same mind. So rejoice in the Lord. And it's so important. Paul says at the end of verse four, I will say it again. Rejoice. Now, let me just say something about joy. Joy is a feeling. Um, but as I've said, we can rejoice without having the feeling of joy. But uh, joy is something that God wants us to feel. It's healthy for Christians to feel something. Uh, when Peter writes his first letter, he says we are as Christians, we, we can be filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. That's uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. He's talking about a feeling. An inexpressible and glorious joy. And my guess is you have sometimes experienced that, but not always. Well, if we commit ourselves to rejoice, verse 4, to thank God for who Jesus is and why Jesus came, if we commit ourselves to rejoice in Jesus, then often the feeling of joy can start to come back. And of course, we should ask God to give us this joy, to let this feeling of joy fill our hearts. Why don't we ask him? He wants us to feel to experience joy and we won't if we really mean it we won't just ask him once we'll do, be doing it every day father let me experience joy in jesus but this is about rejoicing here deciding to rejoice in who jesus is and why jesus came it's the second solution for disunity work for peace rejoice in jesus the third solution is live graciously. That's in verse five. Have a look at verse five. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now that word gentleness in the translation I'm using, which is the NIV, apparently it's a really difficult word to translate. And you can see that if you look at the various translations. Uh, some have moderation, some have reasonableness, some have gentleness. Really, it's a word that says we should be self-controlled in the way in which we behave. In the same sort of context in Ephesians chapter four, uh, I already mentioned the thing about the unity of the spirit. Um, in the verse before chapter four of Ephesians, verse two, Paul talks about humility, 
patience, kindness, and love. It's the same thing here. Uh, and one one commentary suggests a good word for this, a good translation for this word in the Greek would be graciousness. But it means all these all these qualities. Be gracious in the way in which you behave to one another. That will mean that we're going to be patient and humble and kind and loving, won't it? Be gracious and let your graciousness be evident to all. If Euodia and Syntyche were gracious, committed themselves to be gracious to one another despite their disagreements, then things will be different. And there is something that's going to help help in us to be gracious. It says at the end of verse 5, the Lord is near, Jesus is near. Does that mean he's very present with us the whole time? Or does that mean he's coming back soon? I think the answer is yes. <laughs> I think he's coming back soon, but also I think he's with us now. So we need to be gracious. Here are three things we can do to maintain the unity of the spirit. Work for peace, rejoice in Jesus, live graciously. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about one or more of those things? If we do those things, then we will stand firm as Christians. But there's another problem that uh, Paul deals with here, and it's at the beginning of verse 6, and it's anxiety. Have a look at the beginning of verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, there's a real danger there. Um, I, I think some of us uh, are uh, anxious a lot of the time. And then all of us are anxious sometimes. And the question is, what do we do with our anxiety? Do we let it control us? Do we let it shape us? Or do we do something with it? Well, Paul gives us three solutions. Three things we can do about our anxiety. And they, they really do help. And I speak as someone with experience. Uh, I'm a natural worrier. I think I inherited that from that from my mother. Uh, but these things work. So have a look with me at the three solutions quickly. Uh, firstly, in verse six, pray thankfully. Pray thankfully. Verse six, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. Prayer is presenting our requests to God. Whatever's making you anxious, whatever's making you worried, talk to God about it. Don't bottle it up. Talk to him about it. Talk to him about how it makes you feel. Talk to him, but do it with thanksgiving. It's there in verse 6, and I think it's very important, that expression. If we don't pray about the things that are worrying us with thanksgiving, then we'll be just as worried at the end of the prayer as we were at the beginning. But if we thank God for who he is, for his greatness, for his love, that he's in control, then it will change everything. I, I remember talking to um, a woman who was very anxious about something and I let her t tell me all about it and she talked about it again, all poured it all out. And then I said to her, I, I guess God must be really panicking about this situation. And she smiled and she said, no, God isn't panicking. God's completely in control. God knows exactly what he's doing. And she actually started being thankful. Well, we need to do that to ourselves. We need to pray. And as we pray about the things that are making us anxious, 
We need to be thanking God as well for who he is. He's our heavenly father. He loves us. If you want to see a wonderful words of Jesus about this, read the second half of Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6 verses 25 to 32. God is our father. Pray with thanksgiving. It's the first solution to anxiety. The second solution is in, oh, I need to read verse 7, of course. If we pray like that, if we bring our requests to God, the things that are making us anxious, and we do it with thanksgiving, verse 7, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How does that sound? We'll come back to that verse. Here's the second solution for anxiety. Think positively. Verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, obviously, if there's some problem in our lives, in our life or in our family's life or our church's life, we do think about those things too. But Paul is saying, don't dwell on those things. Don't dwell on those negative things. Dwell on the positive things because you look around, there are always things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Of course, there are. Think about those things and it will lift your spirits and blow anxiety away. Uh, This is actually talking about the same sort of thing that Paul was talking about in chapter 3, verses 12, 13 and 14. In chapter 3, he was talking about living in the right direction. Look forward. Don't dwell on the past. Do you remember? Well, here he's saying don't dwell on the negative. Think positively. There is so much to thank God for. It's the second solution. Pray thankfully. Think positively. And the third solution is in verse nine. Live biblically. Verse nine, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Now, this is not Paul being a big head. This is Paul actually reminding the Philippians that he's an apostle. He was called to be an apostle by Jesus. You know the story of his conversion on the road to Damascus. He's an apostle, so he's bringing the word of Jesus to people. That word received in verse 9 is really important. This is the revelation that Paul received from Jesus and that Paul is passing on to the Philippians and to us. And he's saying, stick to that stuff. Keep to the gospel, whatever you've learned or heard or received from me and seen in me. You couldn't call Paul a a hypocrite. Of course, he wasn't perfect. But you couldn't call him a hypocrite. He was living out. He wanted to live out what he taught. He wanted to live out the gospel, didn't he? Well, says Paul, you live like that. In other words, I'll put it this way. Live biblically. Live the way The New Testament says to live. Live in a gracious way, in a humble way, in a gentle way, in a loving way. Live like that. Live in a righteous way. Live passionately for Jesus. And that will drive the anxiety away. 
This is not Paul saying snap out of your anxiety. It's Paul saying there are things you can do. Pray thankfully. Think positively. Live biblically. And look what happens when we do that. Verse 7 again, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the end of verse 9, the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will give us the peace of God. Do you want that? Well, pray thankfully, think positively, live biblically. We've talked about two things that can stop us standing firm as Christians, verse 1, haven't we? Disunity and anxiety. There are solutions. And my guess is the Holy Spirit is speaking to you through his word as he's speaking to me. And he's point putting his finger on particular things, particular solutions that are here in this passage. I'll say them again. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about? How should we respond to this? The solution to disunity, work for peace, rejoice in Jesus, live graciously. The solution to anxiety, pray thankfully, think positively, live biblically. And if we do those things, we will experience the God of peace, filling our hearts with the peace of God. And we will also experience something that this whole letter has been about. We will experience God's joy. That's what I wish for me and it's what I wish for you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the power of this. Thank you that this is so practical. Please help us to work for peace. Please help us to rejoice in Jesus. Please help us to live graciously. Please help us to pray thankfully. Help us to think positively. Help us to live biblically. Help us to make a new start in following Jesus. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you won't go yet because this last song is wonderful. The chorus of this last song is rejoice. We should rejoice in Jesus. So I invite you to stay. It, it It's a great song. Uh, you don't need to sing out loud. I, I'm not going to sing out loud, but let's be lifting our hearts to Jesus. Come, people of the risen King. Church of Christ.
one and those struggling in the fight for his perfect love will never change and his mercies never cease but follow us through all our days with the certain rejoice in Jesus. Uh, Let's work for peace. Let's rejoice in Jesus. Let's live graciously. Let's pray thankfully. Let's think positively and let's live biblically. And we will experience joy. I'm in danger of doing the whole exposition all over again. I'm going to stop and I'm going to uh, speak a blessing for you and for me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.